Welcome to an entertainment episode of Radio Rehab. We are covering Slam Dance Film Festival this year, which is going on right now. If you don't know what Slam Dance is, that's okay. It usually takes place in Park City at the same time as Sundance, and it's on Main Street. It's just up the street from Sundance. So it's basically like the punk rock version of Sundance. And maybe it's a little bit of an F you to Sundance because, you know, you've got the indie filmmakers up the street, which is slam dance. These are mainly indie films. And then you've got, you know, the rich people on skis with their furry hats and furry boots doing Sundance down the street. I'm super excited to talk to you guys about these films. We're doing, this is episode one of a two-part episode. The first film we're covering is called Bleeding Audio. I'm going to talk to Chelsea Christer and Justin Sansusi from the film. This movie is about the Matches, a local Bay Area band. Like if you're from the Bay Area, you know who the Matches are. They kind of invented the term live, loud, and local, aka L3. We're going to talk about that in the interview. So let's join the conversation. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. So Chelsea and Justin, so nice to meet you guys. It was really awesome to get to watch the screener. Um, and I, first of all, I want to know how you guys met. Can we talk about that? So I um, am from Colorado originally and went to film school in San Francisco. And um, I think one of my very first film projects was to do a little mini documentary. And I reached out to the matches because I knew they'd be in town on tour and was like, well, if I'm going to be doing something for school, I'd, I want to do something that I want to do. So I like reached out to the matches and um, they let me uh, like, you know, little baby film school me uh, film them for uh, for a couple for a couple shows and then kept in touch with the matches and um, and, you know, did work for John Devoto's um, other work, who's the guitarist in the matches. And then, you know, um, yeah, we just, we, you know, met, met the rest of the guys after that became friends, like long after the band broke up. And, and so when they reunited, uh, you know, like, I just knew I had to be a part of their story and tell it because I didn't think anyone else would. <laughs> no, that's super awesome. And I get the, the thing I loved the most about watching this. So my dad was in a band uh, that started in the seventies, you know, and they were successful because they started in the seventies. There was no Spotify. There was no, you know what I mean? It was like, they were in the And then, and I always like, I don't try to date musicians. In fact, I'm married to somebody in tech. Finally, my dad is rolling over in his arm. I'm so happy right now. Cause I, my dad was a drummer. And I mean, for the life of me, I could not avoid drummers. My, my, my girlfriends are like, I want to date a musician. I'm like, try to avoid them. That's how you'll end up with them. Cause that's all I get. Like I see something, I'm like, you look like a computer programmer. No, he's a drummer. Always, and, then, and he's living with me. Like that was the story of my life. But one thing I noticed is I knew so many talented people and bands, and their bands never went anywhere, and it pissed me off. And I remember playing the music for my dad and his friends, and then being like, "This is amazing," and they didn't go anywhere. So I mean, what do you have to say about like the state of the world that we live in right now, and why that happens? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I mean, um, something that like I can definitely start with is is that you know um, with bleeding audio, you know, we're telling the match's story, but it's not just the match's story, and that's something that we wanted to make sure was very clear and present in the narrative. Is that like the matches are this unsung band that we love, and we you know the greatest band you never heard of, but there's like thousands of those, you know, millions probably even, and um, I think it's important to recognize that like even less are making making it through now in this digital era. Um, I think that there's two exciting things happening, um, or well, there's there's two things happening at the same time. And one of them is really exciting, but like, I, I think the other side of that is, is a little kind of daunting, which is there's this democratization of music. So like people who were no longer privileged enough to be able to create are now able to create. And we're getting voices that were probably never given a shot that are now being heard, you know, and that's so exciting. But the other side of this is that now there's just this flood of content and there's just this flood of artists and it's hard to sort through and find something that sticks, you know, it's just, it's always about what's next, what's next, what's next. So, you know, in terms of like bands getting popular, um, it's, it's really hard um, for bands to break through to that tippy top now because of that flood of the market. But there's also so many amazing voices to hear now. So I think that connection of being a consumer or a fan of a band needs to be so like present in everybody's minds because your support of, of an artist that you love is, is the only way that they're going to stick around. So that's kind of my soap, soapbox about it. <laughs> No, I get that. And Justin, how do, how do you feel about like the whole, I, I mean, you know, especially because it's during COVID, you know, and I know so many studio musicians who aren't making any money, right? They're offering like lessons on Instagram and stuff like that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, how is it affecting you personally? Um, well, I, I guess, well, musically, uh, well, I have, I have a day job. So that's, that's where I'm, that's where I'm at, uh, musically um but I, I i think yeah i think there is so much it seems like the access is so so great to music um and it's it's a lot easier to you know produce and release your own music and um i think yeah it's definitely a time where if you find artists you you truly appreciate that you have to you have to it's upon you to support them uh, like as an individual um I think, yeah, it's incredibly difficult. And I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I have friends <clears throat> teaching lessons and yeah, there's a lot of great lessons. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough, tough uh, time right now for the, the music industry. Yeah. I feel like from watching bleeding audio, it's like, you know, you guys were young and excited and it was, easy to do free you know what I mean like when you're young yeah. but then when you've got a job to go to the next day or then you have a family you know then it then it kind of becomes different you know what yeah I mean? when you when you have to yeah start you when you have to start taking responsibility for yourself when you when you want some actual like independence as as a, a person um and then you start kind of thinking long term then you know it's you know getting up in a having enough money just to put gas in the van to get to the next town isn't isn't really going to cut it for like you know the next 20 years exactly yeah and sleeping on people's floors and I, yeah I know, I know yeah but 
you what made you what made you guys want to get back together and collaborate with Chelsea on this um well I think um yeah I, I when it when it first when it first came up the the when we first started talking about doing some shows again I really I didn't like I hadn't even really thought of it as being an option and then you know we started talking about it we're like oh it's like this just sounds like a really fun opportunity and maybe it was mostly kind of self-indulgent um just kind of relive the glory days a bit um but it kind of it kind of started taking on a, a life of its own and and um you know it's it really is a, a testament to the to our to our fans and the the music community and the support they gave us um and then yeah at the time that was about the time chelsea chelsea started uh doing help helping us out doing promotional videos for the for the reunions and the tours and stuff and uh she asked us if we wanted she wanted to make a like a a bigger feature and i don't think we any of us understood the scope to what she was she was planning at the time, but I, I think at the time we're you know we were really we didn't really think you know we're we're movie worthy so you know, I, <laughs> you're like yo you should probably uh, invest your time in in you know a, a more interesting subject so she <laughs> finally convinced us and I I think she did an incredible job. Oh, I definitely agree. Um... Chelsea, I don't know what music you grew up listening to, but uh, I grew up in Los Angeles listening, going to see Fugazi shows and they were underage and they cost less than $2. And that was my community. It's so legit. (laughs) (laughs) You're still like, yeah, I'm 15, hanging out with old people, people even younger. There would be like eight-year-olds at the show and then people's parents. My dad even went to see Fugazi with me. You know, and, and that's one thing I really loved about that scene is they refused to charge you a lot of money to go to their shows. And um, so they weren't really interested in, 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 in making money and all that, but it was, it was a scene, a scene that was worthwhile because it came from the heart, you know? And that's, that's how I feel about the matches in this documentary. That was a, that was a community. Like, it's not a band. It's not like, oh, they never, you know, got a Grammy. Like, that's so stupid. Like, it was, it was a community and something rad that we had in the Bay Area, you know, when I lived there. Yeah. And I mean, and that's like a big, you know, when we were constructing the narrative for this, my editor and I kind of, and my producer, Aaron, who helped with, um, with finalizing the film as well, you know, we had this realization that like, there wasn't a central theme that we were kind of hanging the entire story off of. And, um, you know, when we sat down, we thought about all the different themes that um, the film was approaching. The one at the central core of it was community, you know? And so we really, you know, in refining and picking and choosing scenes to keep or delete, community was like the, you know, the thing that we'd hold everything up against. And um, to me, what was so important about making that the central part of the story is because arguably um, the match's career started with, a very profound understanding that music is more powerful than just like having fun and, you know, goofing around in a garage, you know, they really decided to take their career to the next level after this, you know, very deeply impactful experience doing like a a unity tour in Bosnia. And from there, you know, constructing their community and this L3 scene that lived in the Bay area was, was so, you know, pivotal for, for them, but also, um, but also just like for all the kids that went there and, 
to me, um, you know, I grew up in, um, in like a, basically a retired community town in Colorado. There was nothing to do there. The only way to go see music was like drive an hour to Denver. And so for me, like, you know, I basically just listened to whatever was on the radio. Like there was no thriving music scene. And until um, a friend like slipped me Motion City soundtracks, I am the movie. I didn't realize you couldn't seriously, like, I didn't realize you couldn't, you know, you, that there were bands that weren't on the radio. Like it just blew my mind. And so, um, I, you know, started going to these live shows that my friends would take me to. And it, it, you know, that's where I was first introduced to the matches too, you know? And so while it, you know, we didn't really have like a connected thriving scene where I grew up, you know, seeing this, um, you know, exist and like looking at all this archival footage of the matches in L3 it just it made me a little envious but it also made me want to like put a platform for this because I think that um what we forget is that all ages scenes are essential because like that's such a formative age you know is like that that's yeah. like when you're figuring out what you like what you don't like what you know who you want to connect yourself with and um and having that space is like, it's just, it's so formative, you know, like I arguably, if my friend hadn't just like handed me that CD, like I might not have learned that the stories I want to tell are about musicians, you know, I might not have even like felt the empowerment to like go to, you know, film school to follow this dream, you know, like it's, it's just, you look at like dominoes and it really comes from live music for a lot of people, you know, like it just, it teaches you who you are in a way or gives you the safe space to figure it out. So all ages venues and scenes to me are, are essential. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I took a, uh, I took a 13 year old girl to see King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard in San Francisco last awesome. year. And I was like, yeah, this is, it was a sweaty, nasty, it used to be a car dealership. It's right on like Van Ness. I mean, it's, it's that thing, the big building that used to be a car dealership and now you just yes. walk up the ramp. Yeah. And it's an all ages venue and she was so in love and rocking out. And it just reminded me of the all ages shows I went to when I was a kid and that completely formed who I am as a person. Like I don't relate to kids who don't listen to music. I don't even want to talk to them. Like my <laughs> friends have kids and they're not into music. I'm like, get away from me. You have no <laughs> time to start the indoctrination process. Just slip them, slip them like a few, like, you know, Spotify shares, I guess. How do you, how do you send music now? Right. That's what I do. <laughs> I'll make a Spotify. I'm like, oh, you like hip hop. Here's late eighties and early nineties hip hop when it was good. And they don't listen. And I'm just yeah. like, I have to separate myself from this entire conversation. Like, and food, turn, turn it into a TikTok challenge. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. That's all, that's all it is. Yeah, I'll send her a playlist and she wants to show me something on TikTok. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not joining. I will not. You gotta trade. You gotta, you gotta trade. <laughs> right. You gotta give something to get, to get something. Justin, what I wanna, I'm curious, what was it like playing in Bosnia? What was it like being in a war-torn country and making music where of course people still wanna have fun and they wanna go out, but you know, from the way we look at it over here, it looks like a complete war. Yeah, I mean, at the the time we were we were there around uh, 2000, there were it was a lot of um, rebuilding um, and you know still still a lot of uh, destruction left from the war. Um, but the people the people were really trying to like rebuild the community, and um, so there was yeah there was they were doing a lot of community these community shows and like 
like kind of like public outreach. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we, we teamed up with a, a, a Bosnian band and did a tour and it was, it was pretty incredible because yeah, like you could have, um, you, you could have, a um, like all these, all these groups, you know, that were at, you know, a few years before were at odds with each other, you know, now they can come together and, you know, just enjoy music and, and, you know, dance and, you know, obviously there's, you know, still working through a lot of stuff, but it was a really kind of important and, and cool thing to see like these communities coming together, um, you know, for music. And I, I think that was, yeah, being, it was like kind of first, you know, first time seeing that like music, music was like, you know, in a way like transcending or like beyond just like, you know, what your day to day is and that, you know, it can bring people together. So. Absolutely. I remember being so jealous of like the hippies when I was growing up because they had the whole dead scene. And I, I tried so hard. I couldn't get into like, I just yeah. wasn't my thing. My thing was punk rock, you know, and then and, and so but I found my scene there. But of course, you know, it died out like everything. I mean, I saw Nirvana play at a warehouse party when I was like 14 years old. It was probably oh, that's awesome. Yeah. After I had heard their demo tape, somebody just gave it to me. It was, it was and it skipped and then it would slow down. It was the worst tape like it had been abused by everyone who had would use this tape but worst yeah. worst slash best tape <laughs> i'm like i have like serious show envy with you right now like you were you were so plugged in and i was just like this nerd like that was like 15 years late to the game but at least i made it yeah. <laughs> no you didn't you didn't just make it you're making a movie about it and you're teaching the next generation about it that's bigger that's huge somebody needs to do that i'm really glad it's you Oh, thank you. Yeah, I hope, <laughs> I hope, um, cause, cause I think too, just like in telling this story, you know, you don't want to be preachy and that's like definitely a thing I don't, I don't, you know, want to do with the film. I just want to like take the curtain, which is like, oh, you know, we're all everybody, all that goes on behind the curtain is just kind of shut off for, for people. And I just wanted to like open it up and be like, look at how hard this is, you know, like it's not about, um, oh, you know, you're not a good person if you don't support your artists. It's more just like, you know, if you like them, like support them, you know, it's, it's a different world. And um, I know that there are different things that are happening to try and support artists more. The Music Modernization Act was like a huge thing that happened in 2018 that I hope takes effect very soon. But, you know, it's just, yeah, I just, I, I think it's um, hopefully uh, this next generation can can learn that there is like a, a love that you can have of your musicians that can be very personal and and um, give them and you longevity you know like what what have you what have you been doing to survive the pandemic <laughs> listening to music like that's serious, serious that's it yeah absolutely that's it walking around my house listening to music and and the film did not come across as preachy at all. I think if I made him, I don't know how to make a movie, but if I did make a movie, mine would be like, it would be very finger pointy and preachy. And like, <laughs> kids don't know shit. It would, I would just sound really old and I would suck. <laughs> like, I, I, I love this. I love this movie. I want every, I want every young person and people my age, I want everybody to watch it because it's so true. And it's just really important because without music, I don't know where I'd be, you know? Uh, it, it was everything to me. 
And I know it's like when people look at people in bands and they're like, I can do that. I want to be in a band. I know I feel the same way when people are like, uh, I think I have a good voice. I could do voiceovers. I'm like, you know, I've been doing that since I was eight and I'm making like zero dollars right now. So don't come asking, telling me that you can do voiceovers. <laughs> and people do the same thing about being a musician because they all they just picture is themselves live at the Budokan. And that's not what it is, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a lot of dates in Columbus, Ohio, and sleeping <laughs> on people's floors. It's like, yeah, get up. Yeah, you spend, what do you spend? Like, you might spend an hour, hour on stage or something, but, you know, you spend the, you know, 12 hours getting ready and setting up for that one, like, that moment, like, let alone, like, the years you spend to get to that point. So it's like, it's really like, it's a journey from, you know, you can, you can be like, I can do that, but it's like, it's, yeah, maybe you could do that right there, but you can't get to that point. Cause you didn't put in like, you know, the five years previous of, you know, clawing your way to the stage. <laughs> yeah. And the millions of hours and the yeah. your own merch table and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I want to say to anybody listening, like if you like a band buy their merch, buy their music don't look for the free youtube download like support your your local artists and support your you know international artists support who you like but yeah. you know, not billy eilish because she doesn't need help <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I but answer she just doesn't need our help is all I'm saying. right well and it's interesting too because i feel like um something that like i feel like taylor swift has gotten a lot of shit for this but uh i appreciate how openly she talks about like royalties and everything because she fully acknowledges she's like look I'm speaking out because I think this is an injustice I'm fine I'm worried about the people who you know like don't have a billion streams you know like and I feel like when artists that are giants like that are raising red flags for concern I mean even um Kanye like you know, whatever you want to say about how responsible or irresponsible he is with his money, like the fact that he even acknowledges, like, you know, he's one of the most popular artists in the world. And even he was acknowledging that there's a disparity in streaming, you know, like this is this is a truth universally acknowledged. And it's something that I hope that, um, you know, people who love their artists can start to recognize like, oh, what is Spotify paying? you know people? Oh like what is, what is okay, wait a second, you know, and I just hope that we can get some sort of equity um, or just equitable pay for, for musicians for their actual music. Because if anything, the pandemic has stress tested the fact that, you know, touring, which was already not sustainable nor healthy for bands and artists to do as consistently as they've been doing it, like now that income is gone entirely, you know? And like, like so now what are artists supposed to survive on? Like there's no, there's no income. So it's like, oh, maybe touring wasn't the answer because it wasn't in the first place. So I, I hope that this gets people to wake up a bit and, you know. I really think it will. I, I mean, like, and I'm not trying to name drop. And if, if I was name dropping, this would be the most random ass name to drop. But <laughs> Huey Lewis told me when, so when he opened for my dad's band, like when his band first started out, I guess, I don't know when that was, 70s, 80s, something like that. And they got booed off the stage. And he told me the thing that he appreciated the most about my dad in his life. My dad brought them back out on stage for their encore so that they could feel applause. And he said that was the first time that they had felt a standing ovation and applause and that kind of feeling. And I, I want to say to every really successful band, do that. 
bring bring a lesser known band, bring a local go to every city you go to, bring that a local band from that city and bring them on stage. You know what I mean? Um, help your yeah. help fellow musicians. Well, and so there was so much we wanted to tell in the film about L3 that kind of hit the cutting room floor because we risked that like you had to be there feeling, you know, we didn't want to get too into that. We wanted to like give it, you know, give it its credit, but we didn't want to like alienate people to to not, you know, be on the inside. But Justin, did you want to talk about what you guys did as the matches with booking those opening acts? Oh, yeah. I mean, we'd always we'd always make sure that we were trying to, you know, to I guess, you know, to build a community, you want to include the community. So we'd always like go out and try and find like young bands, um, like, you know, different bands from different high schools, bands that were starting out. So like, you know, we, you know, we had some really young bands um, that would play the shows and then they would have friends with other bands and like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was uh, just trying to have had that community because I mean um also too like uh you get like a young band and then they get a chance to play a show and then they bring their friends out and so it's like I don't know it's all this you know camaraderie and it was I don't know it's just yeah it was trying to just like build the community and and you got to like support you got to support like the next the next generation of artists the best you can you know Absolutely. And then they get to bond and then the audience gets to bond with them. And it's just, it's the best. Music is the, I don't know. Am I quoting Frank Zappa correctly? I'm not sure. Music is the fucking best. I'm pretty sure he's, yeah. it is, it is like, I'm sure he did. Speaking of crazy docs, have you seen the Zappa doc yet? No, no, it's... but I grew up in their house. So I yeah. watch it. So. so maybe you should watch it to make sure that you're not pictured. <laughs> no. Oh my God, no. Right? I, don't, I would be 16 and very awkward. And I I, I doubt I'm pictured in it. But, but, um, but no, it's really great. Um, I think Alex Winter was the director on that one. And uh, we were playing a festival called Sound Unseen. And uh, the Zappa doc was also screening at that festival. And um, it, was, it was great. Like he... He was an incredible genius maniac. Like, yeah, he really was. I remember when I met him, I had no idea who he was. I had heard his name. I thought he was a heavy metal something. I didn't understand. I had no idea. I had never heard his music until I became friends with his kids and they played it for me. I was like, that's what he sounds like. That's wow. And I remember one time he was flying. uh, He was flying overseas. I can't remember where he was going. I, I anyway, he's flying overseas, and I remember asking him if he was worried that that somebody was going to sit next to him on the plane and ask him too many questions. And he said, "No, because everybody's worried I'll write a song about them." <laughs> <laughs> I love That's it. Great. That's so good. And after hearing his music, you're like, "Oh God, he <laughs> really he digs deep." <laughs> yeah. Tight-lipped. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been so great to talk to you guys. I think we went like 15 minutes over, but that's fine because this is like a subject after my own heart. And I love the documentary. I love talking to you guys. I love what this is about and I'm going to support the shit out of it. So oh. uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. It means a lot. We're uh, right now we're, we're screening at the slam dance film festival, which is uh, open to everybody. It's only $10 for a pass and um, we're, you know, starting to hunt for a distribution deal. So 
Right. Fingers and that's crossed. so cool. You don't have to fly anywhere. You don't have to drive to Austin for South by. It's like you don't have to pay like a million dollars <laughs> to get a badge. You don't have to be in the back watching people's cell phones. They, like this is, it's kind of cool right now the way this is happening. And and I suggest everybody supports it because it's a great cause. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Like I said, us introverted extroverts are uh, thriving in quarantine. <laughs> thriving. Know. Absolutely. I know I'm an ambivert. I don't even know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank, thank you. you guys so much for being on the show, and I wish you all the success in the world. This is a really awesome documentary. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you, for you so us. much. Thanks again to Chelsea Christer, director of Bleeding Audio, and Justin Sansusi from The Matches for being on the show today. That was such a cool interview. I had such a good time talking to them. And I love the film. If you want to see it, go to slamdance.com. You can watch all these movies by just getting a festival pass. Again, that's slamdance.com. You won't regret it. Stick around for our next episode where I interview Jack Dunphy, the director and creator of the movie Revelations. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back. Keep coming back.